Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Steve, for those of you who don't know me, I've been around a while here at the Upper Room. I'm very grateful for the Upper Room. Uh, I love worship. Uh, I think that uh, what Jesus looks for are worshipers first and workers second. That's what I really believe. And I know that if we worship him, we, become, we will willingly become a disciple to follow him. And so worship's a very integral, integral part of uh, the Upper Room. And actually what we did before was the main thing. Jesus is always the main thing. He's never the second thing. And so worship is, is really our expression in our hearts to, to God. I always like what my friend Sue Rinaldi said in, uh, in Great Britain. She goes, worship is, this, is the scene of his appearing. That's where his scene is. The scene of his appearing is worship. It says God inhabits the praises of his people. That's where he inhabits. And I know that my prayer, you know, when I come and worship, uh, sometimes here, not so much as I used to, I took my guitar home, but, uh, but when I come in here, I, I, I often ask Jesus to stay. I often ask Jesus to say, come and stay a while. Don't pass us by. You know, the road of Emmaus, their hearts burned, and Jesus was passing by, and they, he, they stopped him and said, don't pass us by, come and stay a while. And that's been my heart cry, is really that when we worship, that Jesus would, you know, it, you know, he, the Holy Spirit is powerful, and, and the Holy Spirit loves Jesus. So anytime we sing and worship songs that have the name of Jesus or glorifying Jesus, the Holy Spirit very definitely likes to show up. He likes to show up and bring his presence to bear witness with our spirits that we are sons and daughters of God. And it's primarily in worship where, where that happens. It really does. And uh, so, so some people says, I, I can't sing or I can't carry a tune, you know. Uh, well, God's not tone deaf. He, he loves any tune. <laughs> he loves any tune. And if you uh, even go out in his creation, Patty and I go for evening walks. We try to when the sun's not quite so hot. We go for evening walks in hills and dales. And it's just so beautiful to hear the frogs croaking and woodpeckers pecking and all that kind of stuff. And to really just kind of slow down. Anybody ever need to slow down? slow down enough to sense the wind and the breath of Jesus. Patty and I, uh, not, recent, not, not long ago, she got back. Her, her mother passed away uh, t about three weeks ago. We were in Birmingham for two weeks. And uh, it was one of the most uh, brave things I saw three triplets do, to stay with her mother uh, through the, the whole passing from one eternity, not from, from one eternity, from one life and two eternity. And uh, it was really very strong, very brave of them. But it was also, in, a, in its own way, very beautiful to just see the care and the love that a family uh, had for their, for their mom. Uh, we had a family reunion Saturday before she passed away on Wednesday. And five generations were there to see their grandma. And they're, and they're awesome. And uh, I, just, I just got a sneaky suspicion God was really blessed by that. And I, I think that's the way it should be. And uh, the family gets together for those kind of things. But anyway, we came back, and I wanted Patty to see the tornado uh, destruction. I've been actively involved with Living City Project and on my own, and we really got together with those guys to really do some something significant in the city uh, to clean up and all that kind of stuff. So I wanted Patty to see it because she's it's different seeing it live than it is seeing it on TV. It's just 
the smell is different. You know, it's like full 3D surround the sound and vision and smells and pain and destruction and all that. So we went out together and we pulled in to uh, Mark and Terry's house that we had helped clean up through Philip's Temple. So we pull in and uh, they're going to re reconstruct their home. They've been there for 26 years. They have no plan of moving. They're going to re redo it, make it the way they want it, which I thought was great. Had pretty good insurance, so it's going to help them take care of most of it. But anyway, he has some bags in the back and said, we're here to help. What do you need? He said, will you, will you help me carry my garage roof to the front? And he had about 20 bags, 15, 20 bags full of garage roof and stuff. So we just drug him out front. You know, we were just kind of drug him out there, did our little deal. And at the end, we just said, hey, hey, guys, can we pray for you? And you, got, you have to understand what you're hearing in the background are chainsaws. You're hearing all kinds of stuff happening. And, and so where they're praying for them is really interesting, uh, talking just about what, how Jesus speaks to us when we slow down. We began to pray for them, and they, of course they really appreciated their believers. And then the Lord gave me, gave me a word, and the word was this. Paul's filled with breeze of the wind right now. So we stopped, we didn't do anything. Guess what? There was a fresh breeze blowing over their life. You just feel it. It was a real breeze. It was like real breeze. Stop what you hear. I said, stop what you hear. You could hear birds singing, even over, over, over their, their, their lives. So we just prayed that into them, that God would give them pause, that they'd be able to have new beginnings for a fresh wind to blow through their lives, and they'd be able to hear God's voice just like that small bird singing. And Mark's a preacher. He said, man, that I preach. That's really good. Where'd you get that? I said, I'm not that smart. <laughs> I got it from Jesus. But what happened was in the midst of chaos, the wind of the Holy Spirit blew upon Mark and Terry to bring encouragement that day to them. And that amazing. That's how good Jesus is. And it really does. It comes out of worship. It comes out of a daily heart fixed toward Jesus. I'm an introvert extrovert. What I'm doing right now is my extroversion. This afternoon, what I'll do is my introversion. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, you know, I wake up in the morning, and I'm like, I, and I realize this about myself. When Patty was away, she goes, usually goes away for extended periods of time. One, one, last year, she went away for six weeks. I about died. I told her, I said, now I know why men get married quickly. Because of companionship, you know. It's just like, you know, so anyway. But anyway, she, uh, she went away for a few weeks this time. Not quite as many as her grandkids. And it, literally, I can get up and not say a word for hours. My own little world. But I realized that even that strength of in, introversion was a weakness. So uh, at Christmas, we, we received a, an Echo Dot. You ever seen those Amazon Dots? And we put it on the table. So now when I wake up, I go, Alexa, Bethel Music Radio. <laughs> and so from the very beginning, when we wake up, that's what happens. We begin to allow the worship to wash over us from the very beginning. And Patty listens to scripture at night before she goes to sleep. But I'm just sharing that because, because what we, well, I'm trying to come back to what, what we do here. Jesus is number one. He will always be number one. I, I, I think Aaron has said, I will die before Jesus is not number one. But he's number one. It's why worship is, is not the warm up for the message. Worship is our adoration attitude, attitude, gratitude, and, and I've been out there where people have almost lost their lives this, 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 this last, uh, during the tornadoes, 130 miles of destruction, think about that, in our city, in our communities, 130 miles, 
130 miles, house after house, family displaced after family displaced. And every person I've talked to, without fail almost, they have so much gratitude that they are living. Amen. They're back to the basic. I lived. I survived. And uh, it's it just something that, that I feel like God, God would like us to draw out of us even in good times. And we have the attitude of gratitude even in the good times. So that we can have the attitude of gratitude when sometimes it's not so so, so good. But I want to talk to you a little bit. Patty's going to come up and share. I want to talk to you just a couple of, of thoughts that I have today about the upside down kingdom. If you guys discover that the kingdom of God is a lot different than this kingdom, the principles of God are a lot different than our, our power uh, principles that we have in our society, that humility is great in the kingdom and arrogance is pretty, pretty not, not looked on very, very, pride or not looked on very, very great in the kingdom. In our world, if you, if you pontificate and you have all this energy and you're you're proud and people say, oh man, that guy's so great or that guy's so great. But in the kingdom, it's a little bit different. In the kingdom, it's the greatest among you will be the one who serves all. The greatest is the one who serves all. It's not the one who, who has all, all the gifting and all the talent. It's just someone who serves, who serves all. Don't have to have much, much gifting and talent just to serve someone, but uh, we all do. We all have gifts and talents that we can. Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for all. Isn't that amazing? Jesus came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life away a ransom for many. That's what he did. Humbled himself to come to this planet, to take in bodily form this nature, this character, God incarnate, veiled in flesh we see. That's what the song says. That's God humbling. Can you imagine? God of the universe who created the galaxies, they're still, they're still discovering them. Still discovering galaxies, that he spun galaxies into existence. He, his very word spoke galaxies into existence. And the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit says, I have a plan. Jesus said, what's the plan? And, and, and the Father said, oh, I would like you to come to the earth in, 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 in human form. Uh, and sometimes, uh, and I'm glad Jesus didn't do, boy, dang, that's a hard thing to ask me to do, <laughs> to come. But he, he willingly did it. He chose to. God so loved the world that he gave. His only begotten Son. And Jesus was fully cooperating in the giving of his life for us. He had a work to do. He set his face like flint to go to the cross to, to honor the Father's will. That's what Jesus came to do. And he humbled himself. Think about it. He humbled himself to the point of sleeping with 12 dirty guys. <laughs> I've been around firemen. Sorry, Matt. But I've been around firemen. 12 dirty guys. You know, he, he was with them. He he knew what it was to sweat. He knew what it meant to be thirsty. He knew what it meant to, to experience everything that we experience, it says in Hebrews. He experienced everything and every temptation that we, we, we've experienced because that enables him to be a merciful high God that we can go to him full of faith and boldness because the access that he did through his blood gives us access to the Father. That's what Jesus came to do. But it was through humility. It wasn't the way of the world. It wasn't being a, he, was, he is a king, but he came riding in Jerusalem on a colt. You know, he came as a lamb. And he was slaughtered as a lamb. And yes, he is coming back as king of kings. And yes, he is coming back as lord of lords. But his, one of his greatest names in heaven, and this is the one that I focus in a lot, his name in heaven is faithful and true. It's tattooed on his thigh. 
faithful and true. What does that mean? That means he always is faithful. And guess what? He'll always be true to you and true to his word for eternity. And his blood purchased that for us. It's just it's just amazing thing. Uh, stewardship is a big deal in, in the kingdom. Stewarding your time, your talents, your treasures, and, and your gifting. And, and, and the question today, I, I would like to pop, get, ask you three questions. What is your gifting? That's one. What is your gifting? What has God gifted you to do? What is your gifting? You know, what happened when we meet Jesus, when we meet Jesus, like when we, when, like me being a drugged out, drug, druggy kind of guy, when I met Jesus and he saved me and I fell to my knees and said, Jesus, save me, forgive me of my sins, come into my life, make me a new person. He did it. He did. He saved me from my old life. He saved me from even the desiring of drugs. I have a desire to get high and, you know, on drugs for, for, I don't know, 40-something years. But, I mean, he saved me. And then what happens was when he saved me, he then says, I saved you from, but I'm saving you for something. Yeah. Now, the issue is many people who get saved from stuff, the reason why they keep getting entangled in the stuff is because they haven't realized they're saved for something. And if you pursue what you're, what you're saved for, guess what? The old has passed away, the new has come. Yeah. That's what God is after. And it's not, not after, after in a negative way, it's after in a good way. You have giftings and talents and treasures that I can use in the kingdom to help you to save people from stuff so that they can be saved for something. That's the kingdom of God. And that's what we're about. We're about the kingdom of God, rescuing people, rescuing them, loving them, being Jesus, humbling ourselves to go low. Go low. It's interesting, in a city in April, I joined a group in January called the Living City Project. Caleb Ingram and, and Joel Burton are a couple of other guys that are on the team. And Caleb, went, who's part of Declare, which, I, again, I think is pretty amazing, what Caleb did, he came from outside of Dayton area, he came here, believing God gave him a mission to start worship communities all over the city. All over the city. And so he began to do that. And people were worshiping everywhere and everywhere and everywhere. A little bit before then, a few, few years before then, there was a young guy named Jacob Crawford, who, who's young. Felt like God put on a call in his life to pray over the city. So he went, him and Andrew, Andrew's one of the guys. Andrew is one of the guys who did this. They went up into the Key Bank Tower to one of the highest floors, and they prayed over the city for like, I mean, years and years and years. And suddenly Caleb comes, and he begins to worship all over, all over the community. And so the, the city knew that he had just done a big thing, had a bunch of people at Fifth Third Field. And, and so Caleb said, what are we going to do now? We've worshiped everywhere. What can we do? And, and so he went to... to to the mayor's office and says, I have this idea. We, we want to do something for the city. What does the city need? You know what the city said? We need trash picked up. How awesome is that? He says, okay, we can do that. And so he began to form a team. I got on the team a little bit later. I got on the team. We began to form a team to begin to push toward April, April 6th of this year to have a citywide cleanup. I thought it was really interesting. I mean, we were working ourselves. I mean, it was like we were working. It wasn't, it wasn't slow. We were working, trying to get everything together. And one of the guys, this is really interesting, one of the guys on, on our team, he worked at the Wright Path, and we had a dinner at his house, and, and uh, I looked, and, and I looked at, at this plane, 
And I was thinking to myself, Joe, he's our guy who gets all the places where we're supposed to go in order. He's the one who helps us to mobilize everything and to get all the supplies together. And he's the one that helps when people come. He hands out the church uh, assignment for the day, all that kind of stuff. He developed all that kind of stuff. And anyway, Joe, when I looked at his refrigerator, I said, Joe, why is there a B-2 bomber on your refrigerator? He said, well, I'm, I was the deputy director of building the B-2 bomber. I said, well, this is a little bit below your pay grade, I think. <laughs> and then I found out he was one of the directors for the F-15 fighter. And I'm looking at this guy, and I said, Joe, I said, man, I said, I can't believe that you're out here helping us to pick up trash, to organize it. Well, what happened anyway, to make a long story short, we said we'd do it, it worked in place. We had another guy come on the team named Tony Ruby. He's a black guy who knew everybody in the black community. He, we motivated over 39 different organizations and churches to go out April 6th to clean up the city. We had 1,500 uh, to 2,000 people in the community on one day cleaning up the whole city. It was amazing. 100, 100, and 125, 125 tons of garbage in about four hours. That's a lot of garbage. Fast forward, May, Memorial Day. What happens? 17 tornadoes come through the city. The city doesn't know what to do. Guess who they look to? Living City Project. We know how to pick up trash. First weekend after the tornadoes, we mobilized 3,300 people out of the community through Living City Project. 3,300 people. Can y'all shout or something? <laughs> said yes to you, Jesus, yeah. and then they said, what am I saved for? And they started there and worked here. Yes, uh, Saturday, today, Saturday, Friday, Friday, this guy, okay, met with FEMA. I met with FEMA. They came to find out what we were doing in the community. We're doing some pretty It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about a king who 
lives. And how do you get there? You just take one step, put it in front of the other one, and do what God gives you to do. And guess what the kingdom principle is that we have to have to be able to step into God's, well, there's several principles, but to step into what God has for us. You know what one of them is? Believe. Just believe. See, here's what God wants to do. He wants you to step out of your little world into his big world. Your container is way too small because his world is far bigger than you are. And what he wants to do with your life, you might say, well, I just feel like I'm, you know, just don't worry about your feelings. Put your hands in a faithful God who will equip you with every good gift that you need. Every good gift that you need. Why? And, and guess what? It's going to be, some of it's going to be beyond you. Like it's going to be beyond you. Right now where we're standing, the guys with Living City Project, we're laughing. Because we're watching God do all kinds of stuff we could never do. We set up a warehouse in one day. We're delivering the next day with three semi-truck loads of of households and stuff that came from Texas that somebody else got us in contact with. We set it up one day, we're delivering furniture the next day. How does God do that kind of stuff? It's crazy. But he does it. He wants to do it in your life and my life. And so all he asks us to do is to, to have faith to jump into to from our, our small world into his big world. Now I'm going to ask Patty to come up. And she's going to just share some thoughts about pushing through and how God's brought her. And then we're just going just gonna to wrap it up really quick. So come on up, Patty. Give her a hand. She's, she's Okay, so um, last night Steve and I were reminiscing and we were just having a, a little date and we were reminiscing and, and just thinking back about how um, God had um, directed me into the desires of my heart and he, he gave me those desires but he also gave them to me. I don't know how, if that makes sense. He put them in my heart but he also helped me to realize them. And um, it just kind of occurred to me as we were talking, I, um, I had to take small steps in order to reach that, and in order to, to see that realized in my life. And, and it, was, it was God prompting me. And when I was faithful to um, lean not on my own understanding and all, you know, it says that, uh, uh, trust me, with all your heart, lean on and you understand and all your ways acknowledge him. Well, I took time to um, cultivate a relationship with God so that I, over time, I recognized his voice. I recognized that prompting that he was giving me. And so I would take one step at a time and 
take another step. I changed jobs. I took a cut in pay to, to get a job because I really wanted to teach literacy to children. And I had been wanting that for years and years. And I, I got my MRS degree and went to Scotland with Steve and had a family. And <laughs> the MRS degree is awesome, but <laughs> it was hard to go back to school after that. And um, I, I loved being taking care of my family, and I loved raising my children and, and supporting Steve, but I also had this desire in my heart to teach literacy. And uh, so I, I started taking small steps. I, um, God prompted me to volunteer with Ohio Reads, and uh, I did that for a, a couple of years. And then I, I took another job, a pay cut, to get this job to work with children, and I was offered um, education, which I took, and um, I, you know, the thing is, is that God, God wants to co-labor with us. He doesn't, he doesn't just, I don't know, he doesn't just drop things into our lap. He wants us to co-labor with him yeah. because we're created to do that. And we get, we are, um, we are drawn closer to Christ when we do that. We understand God's ways better. We I don't know, it's just, it's a journey, and life is a journey, and, and he directs our path, he, he directs our journey in life. And um, I think that, I, I guess from our conversation last night, that what Steve wanted me to emphasize is that I had to, uh, all of us have to um, push through and take those prompts and take action, and sometimes it is, not, you don't get immediate gratification, you don't see immediate results, but you're pushing through, you're, you're uh, pursuing, and you're believing, and you're trusting God. And over time, he will give you the desires of your heart. And I know there's so many people in this room that can testify to this. I'm just one little member that, you know, is just telling my story, but all of you can have your own stories of how you've trusted God, and how he's, and the process of giving you the desire of your heart. Or um, maybe you've seen that happen. But I just want to encourage everybody that, that God is faithful and that that song, let's see, what would I do without an iPhone? <laughs> um, because I can't remember the lyrics. When I... When I only see in part, I will prophesy your promise. I believe you, God, because you finish what you start. I will trust you in the process. I believe you, God. Well, she's some kind of amazing lady. I'm, I'm privileged to be married to her, let me tell you. Definitely married above myself. Some of the things that uh, Patty uh, was talking about is really pressing through. And, and one of the things she did I thought was very, very smart. God gave her wisdom because she wanted, really wanted this job. And so somebody says, oh, you don't need to take that test. You don't need to have that certificate. And Patty intuitively says, yeah, I, I want to take that test. I want to have that certificate. So when she sat down for the job interview in the process, they told her about this certificate that she'd have to have. She says, well, I already have. 
So when God intervened, see, so she was pressing through, she was going forward. And, and I, th I think it's re really great she, she did that. I was uh, trying to, wanted to show you something if I can uh, get back. Oh, there we go. There's Patty's. She's, she's taught 380 kids. She recently got, here's how you know you've got fruit when a parent sends you a note that looks like this. From Cam, happy birthday to you, squash tomatoes and stew, bread and blah and a gun, happy birthday to you. <laughs> well, that's, how, that's how you know you have fruit in a kid's life when they send you a note like that. That's gold right there. That's, that's like, but uh, I want to wrap up, just uh, back up here. I want to read these two scriptures. If you have your Bible, it would be great. I mean, if you have it, your phone. Uh, I like, uh, one thing I do like, uh, I'm sent out to go to Phillips, and they really honor the Word of God there. They even stand up as it's being read. It's just really quite amazing. But this is true of all of us. God's marvelous grace imparts to each one of us varied gifts and ministries that are uniquely ours. Uniquely Places just planned for you. You might not know it's just planned for you in the beginning, but it's just planned for you. So if God has given you the grace gift of prophecy, you must activate your gift by using the proportion of faith that you have to prophesy. This is true for all the gifts of the Spirit. You have to activate them. According to what? My faith? No, according to your faith. According to the faith that God has given you. So you might have... Baby step faith, but activate it. Take that first step. And then guess what happens? Your steps increase as you keep following with God and to build, build a history with Him. Now, a lot of people don't, don't know this, but it's true. One of the best ways to follow God, if you, especially if you fail, just fail forward. Okay? Develop a history of failure. It's awesome. It really is. It works. I can't tell you how much stuff that I failed at, and then some stuff works. And sometimes it's a really a God idea far more than my own idea. So anyway, activate your faith. And the only way you're going to know that is if you take the first step. You're not going to know until you do. I'll give you a story here in a minute. If your grace gift is serving, then thrive in serving others well. If you have the grace gift of teaching, then be actively teaching and training others. If you have the grace gift of encouragement, then use it often to encourage others. How many people can identify, I'm a, just say, I'm an encourager? Did you raise your hand? I'm glad. Say a little. All, all, all right, everybody look at these hands. Okay, raise your hands up if you're an encourager. If you're an encourager, <laughs> if you need encouragement, go to them. Okay, those are the ones. Oh, we'll encourage you. But you know what the biggest, one of the biggest battles encouragers have? Discouragement. You know why? Because everybody thinks they're so encouraging, they must never need encouragement. It's the truth. It's the truth. So anyway, grace gift of uh, encouragement. If you have the grace gift of giving, of giving to meet the needs of others, then you may prosper in your generosity without any fanfare. Most big givers don't want anybody to know. If you have the gift of leadership, like Matt has and Aaron has, be passionate about your leadership. And if you have the gift of showing compassion, I love this, then flourish in your cheerful display of compassion. I've noticed that when I go out to show compassion, and I, I'm not a real compassionate person, uh, I'm not real empathetic and all that, but since I've been going out, guess what I've discovered? That it is cheerful compassion. When you go out and love on somebody who's been hurt or wounded, you know what they need to do? They need to laugh. Yeah. 
They need to cry. I, I was at a lady's house the other day, and she was telling me her story. She lost everything. She didn't even know if she was going to live. And I've heard this story more and more times that basically she ran to her bathroom, stood in her bathroom, and she said, Steve, said the whole house was shaking. The bathroom was shaking. Everything was shaking. The bathroom door blew open. And I thought, oh, I'm going. And then it blew shut. And she said, that was God's hand that shut that door. And she said that. That was God's hand that shut the door. And then she's, then, then she's, uh, she's telling me she's crying. She, she's telling me the story. She's crying. And then something, then all of a sudden she started laughing. Because she thought how ridiculous it was that she was trying trying to find something in her house and realize how difficult it was. And then she said, Steve, the weirdest thing happened. I went outside my house and, and it must have been a Coke company or some company because all these bottles of Coke and Mountain Dew and all this stuff were sitting in my yard and some of them were sitting straight up. So I don't know where they came from. We, 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 we laughed and you know, I said, that was fun. At least you got some free Mountain Dew out of the deal. Anyway. So she, she, she laughed and, and had, a, had a, 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 you know, a great connection to it. So it is having some humor. So what I'm trying to say basically is really simple. That God has saved us from something. He saved us for something. Find out what he saved you for. And here's how to do it. You all ready? Deep. You ready for this deep? Steve Bowen being deep. See a, see a need and meet it. Find a hurt and heal it. That's it. Stop for the one. Stop for the one. See a, see a need and meet it. Find a hurt and heal it. And that's what God's people do. They've been doing it for generations. Historical Christianity, Christians were the ones who came and met need. They're the ones who died in the plagues taking care of the plague people. Why? Because they saw a need and they met it. They saw Someone's sick, and they began to heal it. I'm going to wrap up. Not with that one. I'm going to wrap up. That's what happened. 130 miles of that. Varying degrees in our community. Some churches jumped in real quick, and some churches didn't. And I want to let you know, we're in crisis. We're still in crisis. We're in a housing crisis. 400 children in Trotwood and families are displaced from two apartment complexes that are, may not be that means 400 families out of the Trotwood school system unless they get them back. That's a lot. I helped Marvin the other day. He, uh, our first week we got our warehouse started. I helped Marvin the other day, the organ player for Phillips Temple. When he saw me, I didn't know this, but someone told me that he shared with him. He said, when I saw Steve, when I, when I saw Pastor Steve, I cried. You know why he cried? Because I was the first face that he saw from Phillips Temple in his new apartment bringing furniture to him. I had the privilege of doing that. I didn't know I was going to see him that day, but I was bringing furniture to Marvin. And he said it so affected his, his, his life that it, he, he cried. And then I took some other stuff back to him the other, other day. Man, he's from Florida, and he has a real Florida. And guess what? Patty and I lived in Pensacola. He lived in Pensacola. So we got to talk about redfish and flounders and all that kind of stuff. But guys, just like Marvin, that's what happened. He lost everything. He lost his boat, and then the looters came and stole everything else. That's all we had. So what happened to us, Living City Project, what happened, we began to say, what can we do? The city said that we'd love you to go out and serve the community. So 3,300 people went out one weekend and a whole bunch of other people, not just Living City, a whole bunch of people. 
And what the city began to realize was the people who were affecting the, the disaster uh, in, in our communities, the, the biggest number of people were from faith-based community churches and businesses who were faith-based. We were so effective in the city of Dayton that Samaritan Purse, which is Billy Franklin Graham's big ministry, they said they had never seen anything like this ever in any community they had, had faith-based community, but it was a lot of the faith-based community. They were so impressed and, so, and the need was so well met they usually stay six weeks, they only stayed three weeks because the needs were being met by everyday people doing everyday things. Seeing a need and meeting it, finding a hurt and healing it, that's what happened in a great way. And to be honest, it's a kingdom principle. It works for anybody if you're in the kingdom or not. <laughs> it's a principle of God, showing kindness. So, anyway, what happened, we, we we decided what we're going to do is help St. Vincent's. We were going to partner with them to partner with Community Action Partnership where people go. That's where they sign up. Yes, I've been in a tornado. Can you, can you give us your address? You're in a tornado area. What happened? I lost everything. Okay, here's a voucher. You can go to St. Vincent's and shop for your own furniture. And I told, I told uh, Melvin, I said, man, Melvin, you picked out some really nice furniture, man. He says, yeah, man, it's really great. Isn't it? I got these. Anyway, he picked out his own furniture. You know why that's important for them to pick out their furniture? Because it restores them to normalcy. Yeah. That it's theirs. It might not be the best, but it's theirs. They picked it out. And actually on the voucher, it says a voucher for $599. And they get to spend all that at St. Vincent's. And then guess what happens? Living, Living City Project, that's our little group. And everybody thinks Living City Project's big. You know how many people are in City, Living City Project who are doing all this stuff? Seven. There are seven of us. Three of us unloaded two, two, uh, three semis on the Monday. We were delivering furniture the next day. Seven of us. And now what we're trying to do is to say, help! <laughs> because it's going to ramp up. Because what's happening, people have been at homes. Melvin was in a, ho in a hotel for four weeks, and now he's getting placed in a home. Now he can get his furniture. That's the process. So they're backlog. Can you imagine? 300 people in hotels. All of a sudden, they're going to get their vouchers. They're going to go shop for St. Vincent's. And then guess what? They're going to be looking for us woo, to deliver. Well, as I told everybody the other week when I was speaking somewhere else, I said, I'm 67. I can't do that. I can't. I did five days in a row. I said, I can't do this. I can't do five days. So what we need, and we need help. Is that, is that, is that begging enough? Should I squeeze it a little bit more? I beg, it's a little squeeze a little bit more. But anyway, we, are, we need help. We need drivers. We need people just to come and drive. And, and, and we need some women just to hang out. Don't want you to do anything. What's your job? Just talk to the woman of the house. Hang out, listen to her story. What's your story? Wow. Can you tell your story again? You wouldn't even have to. They'll tell it eight or nine, ten times. So anyway, that's kind of how, how we did, did do that. That's a picture of one group. By the middle of the first week of setting up the, the uh, warehouse down at the job center in a big warehouse, we had uh, 33 teenagers show up to help us to go out and deliver furniture. It was awesome. And to help us sort. And sort. They also sorted, sorted the, the, you know, there's two types of people in, in disasters. There are, these are the people who just go for it, okay? They're, they're just the gatherer people. They gather, gather, gather. And the, the, what the gatherers do, they just kind of dump it, 
And then the other person that comes along are the organizers. They come. So okay, let me wrap up real quick. There's a team. 55 came in from down in Cincinnati area youth camp. They came in and helped us sort out all of our stuff. Now people can, we can get our stuff a lot easier. And that is our our Matt Bauer, you know, out here. He he uh, he's an amazing man. He's an entrepreneur. He didn't wait for anybody. He just started. He got the big tractor trailer out there. He told me the other day, he called me up, he said, Steve, it's been amazing. We've been able to tip, tip city people and Troy people to come to drop off stuff instead of having to drive all the way down into Dayton. They're dropping it off here. As fast as it's coming in here, it's going out into the community. He reckons that from Tip City, over three total semi-tractor -tra trailer trucks of, of goods have gone out from our community. You see, what, what, what separates people from, what, from like those kind of people, like you're looking at you, you're one of those kind of people, but what I want to say is it doesn't separate you. You're one of those people too. Yeah. You're one of those people too. And the only reason why I have a story to tell is because I got saved from something. And something else happened, I got saved for something. And that's God's all, all he's looking for. He's looking for faithful, available, and teachable people. That's all he's looking for, saying, Jesus, here I am, as Isaiah said, send me. Here I am, send me. And here's something I just want to end with. Not everybody can do what I do. Like a, a, a mother came up to me today, and she goes, Steve, I, I can't go out there and, and, and clean up. I can't. I've got two little kids at home. That's, that's valid. It's valid. And then she told me, but I did spend $300 on my diapers. What do you think? Yeah. Think she did some good? Yeah. Think she did some good. She she used she began here's a here's a good quote. She began from where she was with what she had. And guess what? Everybody does. Everybody begins the same way. We begin from where we are with what we have. Patty began reading to two kids at Ohio Reeves. Ended up teaching 380 children in her career. Isn't that amazing? Okay, how does that happen? She began from where she was, with what she had, listening to God's prompting in her heart. Let's stand.